Axis Mundi. You're listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our amazing lineup of creators. What are the connections between purity culture and race? Why does purity culture work so hard to disembody people, make them feel as if they're not living in their own skin? And what do these things have to do with each other? Well, we're incredibly excited to announce our next Straight White American Jesus seminar, Purity Culture, Race, and Disembodiment. In this class, the instructor, Dr. Sarah Mosliner, who is a leading researcher on purity culture and the leader of the After Purity Project, will take participants through various histories and ideologies as they relate to the racist origins of purity culture and how disembodiment is a tactic used by white evangelical leaders and others in order to achieve cultural, political, and religious dominance. Sarah Mosliner is the author of Virgin Nation, uh, a leading scholar on purity culture and someone who's been studying this topic for over 15 years. Our seminar is going to run in May, every Thursday, and you can find all the information at straightwhiteamericanjesus.com under the Seminars tab. Welcome to Straight White American Jesus. My name is Brad Onishi, faculty at the University of San Francisco. Our show is hosted in partnership with the CAP Center at UCSB. And today I have uh, just an amazing guest who has uh, an amazing new book out and someone who uh, I'm just really thankful to talk to. And so uh, I'll get into everything in a minute, but I'll just say to start, Andre Henry, Andre Henry, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Uh, So we're going to talk about your brand new book. Uh, just dropped a few days ago, All the White Friends I Couldn't Keep, uh, Hope and Hard Pills to Swallow About Fighting for Black Lives. Uh, it's just fantastic work, uh, incisive work, in, in many ways dismantling work. Um, and so it comes from uh, just years of things you've been invested in and reflecting on. And so you are, just to tell folks at the top here, an award-winning musician, writer, and activist, uh, a columnist for RNS, which is fantastic the author of the newsletter, Hope and Hard Pills, uh, a student of nonviolent struggle. Um, Andre's been organizing protests in LA uh, where he lives and uh, studied under international movement leaders through the Harvard Kennedy School. And uh, his work and and he himself has been featured in places such as The New Yorker and The Nation and on The Liturgist, which I know many of you are familiar with and, uh, and many other places. So um, once again, thanks for being here and and just thanks for taking the time. Let me, um, if I if I might, just start here, um, asking you to introduce your yourself to folks just a little bit. You know your story in terms of you grew up in the South, even though now you're you're kind of in LA, raised in a very Christian context, um, and then ended up at Fuller Seminary. So, what is the very short version of a, a very rich and and full life uh, in those years? Yeah. Um, so, like you said, I, I grew up in Stone Mountain, Georgia, um, in the Metro Atlanta area, and my family wasn't and isn't, you know, a very religious family, but my grandmother was, and she took me to church with her. And um, I got very deeply involved in the life of the church there and Assemblies of God Church in Decatur. And, um, you know, in the book, I talk about, you know, what my home life was like and, you know, why I think that the church was so attractive to me. So, um, so I won't, 
<laughs> I won't belabor those details here. But um, I, like I said, I got deeply involved in the church and ended up going to a Christian college to study theology and <clears throat> moved to New York City after that. Uh, really feeling like I really wanted to pursue music there, but also ended up working as a teaching pastor and a worship director there in New York City, uh, where I started to kind of, you know, I talk about this kind of racial gaslighting effect that had kind of taken over who, uh, or dominated, preoccupied my common sense. And it was starting to kind of uh, wane <laughs> in New York City. Um, I was there seven years and ended up leaving after the church imploded and I ended up going to LA where I, um, I thought maybe, maybe I'll pursue, um, theology in the academy, in academia. I thought maybe I'll be an Old Testament professor looking for some way to be involved in ministry uh, because, you know, I don't know if anyone's told, told, told you, but B, like trying to build a career in music is really difficult. So I started thinking about my plan B. <laughs> <laughs> started thinking plan B might be that I teach theology. And then I realized in my, in, in the course of Fuller Seminary that, um, getting a job in academia is just as hard as getting a record deal. So <laughs> I may as well just, I may as well just do what I really love. Um, but yeah, I went to LA to, uh, pursue that that degree. Also, I just wanted to get out of the New York winters. It's, they're so brutal. And I also felt like, well, LA is also a good place for me as a musician. And in the course of my academic career, um, the Black Lives, it was like the height of the Black Lives, or, or a wave of the Black Lives Matter movement. And so by that, by the time I finished my degree at Fuller, you know, my relationship to church, to Christianity, um, all of that had really changed. And I, I felt like, well, I was asking the questions like, you know, is is Christianity just for white people? What do I believe about God? And more importantly than that, like, how can I be involved in some type of direct intervention against you know, the anti-Black violence that we see so commonly in our society. And I wasn't sure that, you know, anything that I was doing in that realm of theology, ministry was that helpful. So, yeah, I think that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. Well, and, and as you said, in the book, you really do detail this in, in, in just a really, like, rich and complex way. And so, uh, you know, folks really need to read those chapters. But you you also do something, and I know, as you just said, you kind of felt like, leaving the academy was the best way um, to to be involved in, in, in direct action and direct intervention. But I do appreciate, I will say, as a theology nerd um, and as just a nerd in general, I love what you do with, with, with the word apocalypse. And so in the book, you talk about how we often use this word apocalypse to describe a, a world-ending event. If somebody says it's apocalyptic, it's like, oh, right, the world is right. ending, okay? And you talk about growing up expecting the rapture. I grew up expecting yes. the rapture, same thing. Um, I, and so the apocalypse was supposed to be the heavens open up and Jesus takes every certain people home and certain yeah. people not, and here you go. But as you point out, apocalypse means revelation. It means unveiling. Yeah. And the way that you talk about this this process for you um, of, of coming to uh, understand the movement for Black Lives and be and and be you know involved in it. 
uh, in the ways that you are now as a revealing or an unveiling. It was an yeah. apocalypse. And I'm just wondering if you could clue us into that. It's such a it's such a poignant way to describe that. Yeah. So uh, can you Absolutely. give us some insight there? Thanks for listening to this free preview of our Swag episode. In order to get access to the full episode and so much more, become a Straight White American Jesus premium subscriber by clicking the link in the show notes. It'll take you like two clicks, I promise. In addition to getting access to this episode, you'll have access to the entire Swag archive, over 550 episodes. You'll also get an extra episode every month, ad-free listening, Discord access, and so much more. All that for less than six bucks a month, and it helps us keep our flag up and continue to safeguard democracy from religious nationalism, extremism, and rising authoritarianism. Check it out. It's not hard, I promise. 